What's up, everybody? It's episode 22 of RJ Bell's Dream Preview, the NBA edition, of course. I'm your man, Joe Serralo. Joining me, as always, my incredible co-host, Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, how you doing, man? Living the dream. I just got the good news that sports betting is actually a key component of young person's financial news. You were on TV. You don't have to brag. I'll tell everybody about it. You were on Cheddar, <laughs> which is like, if you don't know, it's a young person CNBC. And they needed someone coming on to talk about props, talk about sports betting. And it, it's exciting that you're getting pub, first of all. But it's also exciting that in this new world where there's a CNBC for millennials, a big part of that is sports betting because everyone loves sports. And like Homer Simpson said, it's like it's like the sprinkles on top of your ice cream. Yeah, sports is great to watch by itself, but when you got a little action, it gets a little more interesting. And we're going to help you provide value, You know, teach your man to fish. We're going to give you best bets, but we're also going to show you, uh, as you did on Cheddar, uh, just how we think about this, how we think about attacking these sports and, and handicapping. Yeah, that was definitely a blast. If you uh, didn't catch that segment live to everyone listening, you know, you can go find it out there. Uh, on the internet. It was a five-minute spot. It was a ton of fun. Uh, but Mackenzie, let's get to work. I appreciate the plug. Kevin Durant returned to action tonight, and the Brooklyn Nets took an L at the hands of the Miami Heat. They blew a lead that they had for the entirety of the first half and most of the third quarter in this one. What did you see from Durant in this one? What are your thoughts about the now 500 Brooklyn Nets moving forward as they only have, what, 14 games to play? Yeah, remember this is a team that was first 27 and 14, uh, first or second in the conference, you know, doing fine, you know, not getting, uh, not like the Phoenix Suns, not taking off, but they were doing really well up until Kevin Durant's injury. And it was actually, I think it was maybe not even our first episode. It might've been our test episode when Kevin Durant was coming back from something. He had just a couple days off. And I said, hey, look at this man's last 11 times coming back from any kind of absence. It's 30 plus every single time and uh i bet the over on that occasion on this occasion i'm like well come on it's been uh you know it's been since mid-january it's been almost two months surely this time he's going to be a little more hindered especially against one of the elite defenses well a couple things heat didn't bring jimmy butler so got a lot easier of a task for him line went from uh, the nets were a dog for a large portion of the morning ended up closing as a three-point favorites without butler and Durant did it again, 31 points, didn't shoot great, but he actually looked like Kevin Durant again. However, without Kyrie Irving, without Ben Simmons, who who knows when he'll be back, uh, they weren't enough. They weren't enough for a Heat team that was significantly hindered. Ben Simmons and uh, Ben Simmons, uh, Bill, Bill Simmons and Ryan Russell were recently talking about how the Heat have to have the who the hell is that award locked up. Because I'm not even going to try to pronounce this name, but it's it's O Yurt Seven, pronounced in some sort of way, and he was a starter for the Miami Heat in their win over the Brooklyn Nets. Spolster gets a lot of credit. Uh, Gabriel Vincent's been balling, and uh, they do they do it again. They find a way to get it done. That's why they're the number one seed. Come on, man! How do you not know who Omer Yurt Seven is? I mean, the guy's <laughs> averaging six and six. You know, tonight I believe he played all of six minutes in this one. The guy's a stud, clearly. Come on. Good looking guy. Proper... I'll give him that much. Good looking guy. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Georgetown grad, which, you know, I'm a huge Big East guy. Grew up going to half a dozen St. John's games a year. I follow the Big East pretty closely. 
Maybe it's just because Georgetown's fallen off. I've never even heard of him. But he only played six <laughs> minutes in this one. It was the Bam Adebayo Tyler Hero Show. But don't forget, you know, the Heat are deep. Guys like Caleb Martin dropped 22. Max Strews had an incredible game. All of his shots were three-pointers. He was 6 of 12 from the floor, 6 of 12 from beyond the arc. You know, the Heat are just one of the best two-way teams in hoops. And usually... That defensive prowess doesn't really help teams until the postseason, because in the NBA nowadays, teams don't play defense until the postseason. But a team like Miami, in an ultra-competitive Eastern Conference, is trying to lock in that one seed that they currently hold, and they're playing defense in the regular season. And guess what? It's working. A team like the Nets, which doesn't do that, well, look at them. They've got all the talent in the world, and yes, they've had you know injuries and Kyrie Irving with his vaccine and the mandate in New York City and all, but the Nets are 500. The Heat are doing what they have to do to win, even when they're missing integral pieces like Kyle Lowry and Jimmy Butler. Man, I give them their credit. They're one of the best coached, most fun teams to watch in basketball. Goran Dragic comes back for a revenge game. And you you mentioned the comeback. The Nets were down or were up big, up 12 at the end of the first quarter, up seven at the end of the first half. Miami Stormbacks to win. Just last night, I want to mention the Miami Heat were huge favorites, obviously, over the Milwaukee Bucks in a game that they ended up covering but didn't win. They were up 14 with under five minutes to go. Uh, Shout out to Matty Holt. He has the company usintegrity.com doing big things. And one of their features on their dashboard is you can look at the live lines at different books. And I was looking in the fourth quarter with about six minutes to go, you could have got 56 to 1. 56 to 1 at William at uh, MGM Nevada on the Bucks to win that game down 14 with five and a half minutes to go. I think we're seeing this over and over again in the modern NBA. It's just a different sport. When you get a stop on defense like the Bucks are prone to do, their chances of getting a transition three or a transition dunk, the bread and butter of what they want to do, goes way up. And when they get a bucket, conversely, the odds that they're going to be able to get all five back and have a good defensive possession and end up with a stop go way up. So the fact that they were able to string four or five of those together and come back, end up covering, I'm not end up covering, end up winning on the last second with Drew Holiday, I think that's emblematic of the modern NBA. In this case, I think it's emblematic of a very, very thin Brooklyn Nets team. We saw this all of last year when Kevin Durant has to do everything, uh, Harder to do that as the game wears on and bad amount of bio and guys are throwing their bodies at you. It We saw that in the Buck series. Second half ends up winding down when they don't have as many options to go to. So uh, in home games without Kyrie Irving, I think I'm remiss because I bet the Nets uh, on the money line plus 120. And I'm thinking of how I should have made money on this game and I didn't. But I would look at Nets first half before if you're looking at the Nets at all, before the game, in this situation where it's pretty much Kevin Durant and uh, a bunch of B guys like Curry and Drogic. I'm sorry we went against each other, man. On on Cheddar, they had me pick five NBA games in a college game, and I, I picked Miami in this one. Oh, don't uh, be sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad you won. I, I, I won my uh, – I can't be too upset because I won – my three-star bet on the Celtics tonight improved to 14-4. and four And that's my on one my loss. NBA three-star bet. That's nice. <laughs> you know, it all comes around. So I'm much gladder that you won your bet and I won my bet. It worked out. And uh, to get those 14-4 and four three-star bets, you know, five, six times a month, check me out at pregame.com. And a little impromptu bonus for listening. Promo code at pregame.com. Not just for me, 
but AJ, Fezzik, shout out to Greg Shaker, all the boys at pregame.com. You can get 20% off any package or subscription with the promo code MARCH. College basketball season is upon us, and that promo code is MARCH. Again, you get 20% off anything. Oh, baby, we're dishing out promos for some lucky listeners. I love it, man. Sir. You know, what What really gets me about this Nets game tonight is that they didn't need a lot, right? Kevin Durant came out, scored 31, by far led the team in his debut, right? His first game back in, in two and a half months. But they didn't need much else. I mean, come on, could Seth Curry have scored 15 points? Could Drogic have scored 15? Could Nick Claxton have scored 10? Like, the Nets didn't need a lot. They really didn't need much else. Durant did most of the work, and this is my problem with the Nets. No one else picked up the slack. I I mean, not even uh, picking up the slack's probably the wrong term because there was no slack from Durant to pick up, but it's like a little bit of a supporting cast, guys. This is a major problem with the Nets, especially given the Kyrie situation. And who the hell knows when Ben Simmons is going to come back? It's like on nights where those guys are not on the court, can you at least ride Durant's coattails and just, you know, in the words of Bill Belichick, do your job? That's what really scares me about this Nets team. It doesn't seem like anyone can. And they can't just, at the snap of their fingers, Michael Wilbon made a good point about something Kevin Durant said recently and years ago, not re- not recently, but to Michael Wilbon a couple of years ago, you don't just get up off the street and go win a championship. Uh In this case, Kevin Durant was talking about some other teams coming back from injury, but it's relevant to his team right now. Without any ramp up, I could see this team as good as they are, third favorite to win the title. I could see a team like if the Celtics would be a bad draw for them. Maybe not the Cavs. I don't think they have the firepower, but the Bulls could put a scare in them. And definitely if they get a top tier team like the Heat in in the first round before they have time to gel and they haven't had... Uh, home and road games together if they ever have that yeah there there's a lot of variance with this team they do have the best basketball player in the world comes back after a month and a half drops 30 on 20 shots just like he does but it might not be enough in the end well man right now I I mean the Nets just have to worry about making it into the uh, into the final eight teams because right now they're the eight seed which puts them in playing territory Uh, I don't know if I see him crack in the top six I mean I think it would take a pretty monumental collapse by either the Cavs, who they're five games behind, or the Raptors, who are the seventh seed, who the Nets trail by three games. I mean, that would be a big collapse. Right now, the Nets, it might be too little too late. They might be stuck in the play-in. So we could talk about them drawing the Bulls, them drawing the Heat, them drawing the Celtics. My man, the Nets might get bounced by the Raptors and the Hawks in that play-in round. I mean, Those are good get- teams, too. Like, on my power ratings, those are not... Uh, walkover teams. Those are both, you know, multiple points above average teams, both of them. And, and so we always talk in betting about, right, identifying trends. Well, the Atlanta Hawks, I mean, forget the Raptors, right? They've been up trending upwards for a while now. But right now, the Hawks are trending upwards. The Nets are trending downwards. I don't know if Brooklyn will even crack the top eight. And that is absolutely absurd. If I, if I had said that in September, if someone told me, hey, I don't think the Nets make it out of that 7-10 to 10 seed play-in round, I'd say go fly a kite. You're crazy. But it's very realistic, man. Then Brooklyn Nets and the LA Lakers, Kevin Durant and LeBron James, might not make it into the actual playoffs when it's said and done. The two preseason favorites, that is that is wild. Uh, a little bit of uh, housekeeping. I said this record earlier wasn't quite accurate. 27-15 and 15 when Durant went down. They ended up losing five of their next 22 games. 
Hey, you know what? Let's look at the power rankings, man, because we're talking about the Brooklyn Nets and their demise. Well, one guy got the hell out of town, and all he's done since then is win. James Harden and the Philadelphia 76ers are the top-rated team in the CBS Sports NBA power rankings. What do you make of this, McKenzie? Recency bias, or do the Sixers belong in the top spot? You got agreement out of me. You got agreement out of Vegas. My Vegas power ratings make Philadelphia 6.3 currently the number one team in the NBA tied with the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, Devin Booker, Chris Paul rejoin the Suns. They jump ahead of the Sixers team right now. Golden yeah. State gets Draymond back and Klay Thompson looks like Klay Thompson. There's a lot of contingencies, but I have two power ratings. I have, uh, you know, the platonic ideal. And I have the real actual power ratings with all the injuries uh, factored in. And the Sixers are the best. And it makes sense. They have probably the best player so far this year in basketball. Probably the best two-way player as far as if you look at all the players that are top 50 on offense, no one is close to Joel Embiid as far as defense where he's, you know, top five. And they added Harden, who's putting up 27, 12, and 9 in three games, obviously all blowouts. Joel Embiid is putting up 33 and 10. And what's interesting there, we talked about you can't double this guy with it Harden on the court. Well, the numbers bear it out. 18 free throws per game. I know you got to have a second screen or something these days because 18 free throws per game for Embiid, that's up 60% from before Harden got there. So yeah, they're a monster. They, they are putting it together. By the way, Harden, he's had a, you know, let a couple, let a couple, seasons with turnovers had five per game at one point you know only Russell Westbrook has been in that territory it makes sense you have the ball a lot you try a lot of things with the Sixers that's been cut in half only two and a half turnovers per game again only three games two of them against a you know a decent defense in the Knicks one of them against a pretty good team a top 14 team in the Wolves very impressive three and oh straight up in ATS I don't think even as much love as they're getting today on PTI, on this show, and other places, I don't think the market's caught up to just how much of a force this dynamic duo is right now. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, I look at some of these lines and, you know, I've hit Philadelphia every game that these two have been together. And, you know, I've won every game that they're together. And looking at their next game, they're going to play host to the Cleveland Cavaliers. They're seven-point favorites. That's a heavy lean towards Philly for me. And we'll get into that game and I'll get into my logic as to why I'm leaning that way. But when you look at them right now, currently leading in the power rankings, it really is hard to argue against it. Look, Phoenix, you said it. Once they get Booker and CP3 back, they've already proven over three quarters of the season, they're the best team in hoops, so they'll reclaim that top spot. But with the Suns depleted, with the Warriors banged up and slumping like crazy, I mean, the only team that you can argue deserves that top spot maybe over Philadelphia is the Milwaukee Bucks, the reigning champs. They're at full health. But at the same time, you have to look at the other side of that coin and say, well, the Bucks are in second place. So if yeah. they're not even in first place in their own division, how do we give them the top spot in the power rankings? The only though- way the only way you get there, sorry for interrupting, but th- th- this is a consistency that comes up not only in basketball, but in all sports is at the beginning of the season, they had a certain number and they've underperformed and overperformed at different points and that goes up and down. But where they were, what my expectation is, from the beginning of the season carries all the way through. So yeah, if if I had blinders on it, if I was only looking at this season, I don't think there's a way you could logically say the Bucks have been the best team in basketball or are that right now. 
Yeah, absolutely agreed. I don't think it's overzealous to have the 76ers in the top spot, you know, just a week into the Harden and Embiid era. I think it's right where they belong. So let's get into our first game of the episode. Some Friday night action. The 76ers play host to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they are currently seven point favorites in this one. Some notes surrounding the game. The Cavs have failed to cover in six straight, and they've lost five of their past six games. Philly, on the other hand, we mentioned this. They've won and covered in four straight, including, of course, all three games of that James Harden, Joel Embiid era. And since January 1st, the 76ers against the spread are the fourth best team in the NBA, 16 and 10 against the number since the new year, while Cleveland, who all in all on the season is one of the best teams against the spread in basketball. Well, since January 1st, they're the fourth worst covering team in hoops, just nine 16 and one, almost the exact opposite record of the 76ers. It's why I'm leaning and probably playing the Sixers minus seven. Well, let me see if I can help you get there because the 76ers minus seven are my best bet. And if oh. you're listening to this late, shame on you. You should get this early on Friday and play it early. But I like this all the way up to Sixers minus 10. I teased it earlier. I just don't think the market has really. I mean, CBS might call them number one, but the, the market isn't pricing them like the best team in basketball, like they're playing right now. Given that, even that, the matchup is ideal for the Sixers with their exuberance, with their 3-0. and You want to play a team that simply can't match the firepower, and if they try to get into throwing haymakers, they're just going to fall flat. The Cavs, I've been saying this for a while, are dereft at the guard position. Rajon Rondo, still out on Friday. Karis LeVert, still out on Friday. Colin Sexton's been out in the season. Darius Garland, their rookie point guard, oh, he came back. He scored 33 in his return against the Hornets, and they lost by 21 because the other guards, the other four guards that played for the Cavs combined for six points. You had a four, you had a two, you had a zero, and you had a zero from the other guards. So against a Sixers team that boasts Tyrese Maxey to guard point guards, that can pretty much take you know most players off their game. Garland, a low-level all-star, he might even put up 30, but he's going to have to work for it. The other places the Cavs are going to score in this game, you're going to have to tell me because you can't really pound Joel Embiid inside. Jared Allen had some nice all-star game moments blocking Embiid at the rim. I haven't seen many moments where Jared Allen or anybody, Evan Mobley, anybody could take Embiid in the post and do damage. So if you can't score in the paint and you have guards putting up six points in the whole game outside of Darius Garland, I don't see how they keep up. I like the Sixers to keep rolling. I think they're motivated to keep it going. It's going to be really interesting the next game we're going to talk about because they're finally going to get a real metal test uh, in their next game. But in this game, I think they keep it rolling like they have against the Knicks and the Wolves. Like it all the way up to 10. I like the Sixers on Friday night. Best bet. Good thing you said you like them all the way up to 10, my man, because I just checked right now, and I just actually placed my bet right now at two and a half unit play. It is currently uh, Philly minus seven and a half, pretty across the board. I I, I have an account with four different so it's books. Moving. It's moving. Yeah, it's moving. While you're talking, I'm going to do a little business, but you know, carry on. <laughs> there we go. As long as you don't mean you're doing a little business business. No, <laughs> let me be very clear. I'm making a bet on the 76ers. All right, making about. a bet, not dropping a deuce. Good to know. Uh, yeah, seven and a half is the number across the board. So like McKenzie said, up to 10. And they play back-to-back games in the coming days. Saturday night, 
They are actually leaving Philly. They're hitting the road, going to South Beach to take on the Heat, who we spent ample time talking about earlier this episode. So let's break this game down because I don't have a projected line yet. It's pretty hard to when the 76ers haven't played their first leg of the back-to-back yet. But McKenzie's the numbers guy, so while I'm talking, maybe he can whip up a little projection for you. That's what, you know, that Yale degree is for. So let's talk Heat Sixers. Philly, 3-3 three and three against the spread on the second leg of a back-to-back. They're also 7-6 and six against the spread, not bad, with a rest disadvantage. Now on the road this year, this is where the Sixers have absolutely shown they are 20-11 and 11 against the spread on the road this season, third best mark in the NBA. Now you flip that, you look at the Miami Heat, they're just 15 and 13 against the spread at home. Is that money-making territory? Is that over 50%? Yes, it is, but considering the Heat are actually one of the best ATS teams in hoops, that's below their standard. Now, this is where things get good for the Heat. They've won 10 out of 12, and they've gone 8-3-1 and against the spread in those 12 games. Now with one day off, they're 22-17-1 and against the spread. That's a pretty good cover percentage. And with the rest advantage, this is where the advantage leans heavily in favor of the Heat. They're 10-4 and against the number with the rest advantage. That is the second best mark in that respective category in the NBA. So do you have a, do you have, it sounds like you, you're pretty much like in the Heat. Uh, my power ratings, uh, I project considering that the Sixers will be off the second night of a back-to-back I'm going to make this an approximation, and we're getting, again, Jimmy Butler, left toe irritation, probably plays, missed Thursday, probably plays Saturday, Kyle Lowry, personal reasons, so given both of them, both of those players are in, I have the Heat as a three and a half point favorite hosting the Sixers. Wow, you have the Heat as a favorite in this one, really? Yes, I do. I uh, Actually, I bumped it up. It was it was three, but but just thinking the Heat number one seed. I don't know. I mean, maybe three. Yeah. But uh, let me let me say this. The Celtics came out as three-point underdogs uh, early this morning, late last night. Yeah. And they closed as almost three-point favorites. Wild. So I might be way off initially, and then the market might come my way. So it's really hard to uh, project these lines. The second half of the season, we've seen some huge moves uh, based on nothing but betting. So it's, uh, as Fez says, the more volatility, the more opportunity so the fact that we aren't that precise with these projections could actually be to our advantage uh, if we're confident in in the numbers that that we use. But let's say let's say uh, minus two, you know, split the difference. If, if you think it's gonna be closer to a pick'em, uh, which way are you leaning or, or liking? You know, uh, truthfully, Mackenzie, and this is not what the listeners want to hear, but I, I can't give an educated, informative opinion right now. The Sixers haven't played their Friday contest yet, exactly, and in today's NBA. Who the hell knows if James Harden is going to play the second leg of a back-to-back? You know, with load management, who knows the status of James Harden, Jimmy Butler, and Kyle Lowry? Now, those three guys are super important. You know, we're talking about starters here. We're talking about all-stars here. So until Saturday, until I know who's playing and who's not, I really can't make an educated bet. So we'll just have to cross that bridge when we come to it. In terms of trying to find an edge, that's also tough because both of these teams are really hot. Sixers, four straight covers. Heat, eight out of the last 12. And then you look at Philly. Well, they're the third best team in the NBA against the spread on the road. Well, the Heat are the second best team in the NBA against the spread when they have the rest advantage. So there's a lot of factors that really, you know, would make me see both sides to uh, to this argument. It's a tough one to foresee. 
Uh, but, you know, for the time being, I'm all over the Sixers Friday night. Saturday, we're just going to have to see who's playing. I will uh, provide one angle that, that will likely make my card. And uh, looking at the position, defensive ranks, the Heat have an excellent ability to stop centers and big men from scoring. I had Giannis under 28 and a half. Uh, you know, the wall, the basic paint strategy that worked back in the 2019 Eastern Conference Finals when Kawhi did it, Bam Adebayo has proven the ability uh, to stick in front of some of these guys. So Embiid has been uh, lined right around 31 and a half. The Heat, the second best in the NBA at stopping opposing power forwards and centers from scoring. I would like Embiid under 31 and a half. You mentioned Harden might not suit up. If he does, the Heat do have a weak spot. They allow the fifth most points to opposing, opposing shooting guards. So I'd look at Harden over and bead under. Not to toot my own horn, but the last time I did one of this, Jaron Jackson over, Morant under. They did both hit. A lot of the times, these things are correlated. Yeah, they absolutely are. If one guy's not producing, the other one's going to step up when you're dealing with superstars like Embiid and Harden. Let's talk about the Bucks because this is the game to circle Friday night in the NBA. It's the final game we're getting to. It is the Milwaukee Bucks at the Chicago Bulls. And this game is huge for me for a couple of reasons. First off, my best bet lies within this game. And secondly, if you recall, when we did our second half or, you know, really final like 28% of the season outlook, my future play was Milwaukee plus 110 because I shopped around and found the best value on the market to win the Central Division. Now, they were about three games back with about 22 to play. So that's a tall task. Well, if they win this game, McKenzie, they're tied with the Bulls for first place in the Central, and they'd be 2-0 against Chicago on the season, so they would at least hold a tiebreaker for now. The line is out, and it varies across different sports books, but depending on where you go, it is either Milwaukee minus 3 or Milwaukee minus 3.5. I found the best value on DraftKings at Bucks minus 3, and so I hammered it instantly. That's my best bet. Look, this is the second of four matchups between these two this season. A lot of tough basketball to be played down the stretch. That's ultimately going to determine who wins the Central Division. And of course, like I mentioned, this is a huge game for my Bucks plus 110 to win the division. Now, they won the only previous meeting between these two. It was in Milwaukee, and it was a tight one. The Bucks won 94-90. But they have a ton of momentum right now, riding that comeback win against the Heat Wednesday night when they were trailing by as many as 14 within five minutes left in the game, like you mentioned earlier, I think all signs in this matchup point towards favoring the Bucks. They have a little rest here. Uh, the Bulls are coming off a tough 48-minute battle against the Hawks, a game that they lost ultimately late in the fourth quarter. It's the second leg of a back-to-back -back for Chicago. Advantage Milwaukee and is an away favorite. The Milwaukee Bucks, who are not really one of the better teams in basketball against the spread, well, they're actually the fourth best team in basketball against the spread as an away favorite, 13 and seven. So I like them in Chicago, minus three here. In fact, I love them. It's my best bet. You got agreement for me. Uh, we have a little bit of a in-house best bet, or I'm sorry, crossfire between me on one side uh, with the Bucks to win the division and Essler and RJ Bell with the Chicago Bulls to win the division. And you mentioned when we gave it out, when you gave it out, and I vehemently agreed, plus 110 to win the division. They are now minus 130, and you got to get, and you can get plus 180 on the Bulls. We're looking good there. Yeah, all signs are pointing. 
Oh, I just continue not to really believe in this Bulls team. I was uh, against them today. I had the Hawks money line. If you look at their point differential, I've mentioned this before, they're beating teams by about a point per game. They should be a little bit above 500. They shouldn't have 39 wins. They should have 34 wins. And the fact that now is the toughest part of their schedule and they've kind of been lucky to get to this record at that point, I think it just presents an opportunity where people are coming into the NBA that haven't followed it all year. They're looking at the standings. They're looking at DeRozan and all his highlights, his MVP buzz. And they're just putting this team in a place that they're not tier-wise. I mentioned it. The Bucks I have is the number one team uh, tied with the Sixers in the league. And the Bulls are anywhere close to that. Bucks have been dominant in the Central Division. The more times you see Giannis, uh, the sharper his elbows seem to be. Just seems to continually whoop on the Bulls, Pacers, Cavs, and Pistons. So I expect more of the same here. My, my power ratings would make this game four and a half. Uh, I thought it would come out lower. I thought the Bulls were getting a little more more pub than they had, but I don't think the market has quite corrected. And I think if you're getting three, good job shopping around. I think that is best bet material. Yeah, I love it, man. And you know, it's funny. You look at the Bulls down the stretch and you mentioned that they're maybe in over their heads, right? Playing above their level, or at least their record is better than who they really are. You look at the pieces, right? That each team revolves around. So Giannis, Middleton, and Holiday. Then you look at Chicago, and it's DeRozan, great player, not of Giannis's category, more in line with Middleton, if anything. Zach Levine, who was off to an incredible start to the season. But here's my issue with Zach Levine lately. DeRozan's had to put this team on his back because Levine has not really shown up in 2022. This is a guy who was a prolific, dynamic scorer with big game potential every single night back in the fall. My man, since February 1st, in the past month plus of basketball, he's had one 30-point game, and that actually came in a Bulls loss. Zach Levine has not shot the ball well out there. He has not been clutch. He's kind of disappeared in the fourth quarter. I don't know what's up with him, but DeMar DeRozan needs help. He's a great player. He can't put this team on his back and win a division or go far in the playoffs. Obviously, they have injuries. Lonzo Ball's out, but Zach Levine really needs to step up and play a bigger role if the Bulls have any sort of chance down the stretch. And I don't think they do. So I think we're going to cash our our uh, bucks to win the Central Division, but we shall see. I love it. I love it. So you've got the best bets, folks. McKenzie is on the Sixers. They're currently minus 7.5 across the board. He likes them anything up to double digits. And my best bet, the Milwaukee Bucks minus 3. Shop around. They're 3 to 3.5 three depending on the book. I would still take them at 3.5, but minus 3 is the best bet. Hopefully, we make you all some money.